What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for wrapping up your week and your season with us. This is your Friday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I am your host, Joe Orico. You guys can find me over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. I want to thank everybody who has found all of our work, these podcasts, our different articles, different stuff we've done, our live trade deadline show on YouTube and some other videos we've done there as well. Every bit of content uh, that you guys have found from us this season, I really appreciate you guys absorbing it, following not just me, but the different team that we have brought together this year at Sports Ethos. In year one, which was the 2022 season, it was pretty much just me, uh, Stephen Bagel, who runs uh, one of our podcasts on the basketball side, the Bird Rights Podcast. He did a couple of trade deadline articles, um, but that was kind of it. I was pretty much the only baseball guy. Uh, we brought on a great team this season. I'm going to shout them out over on Twitter uh, individually for you guys to go and follow. I know that people are kind of zoning out from baseball. They've pretty much zoned out from baseball unless you're a diehard this time of year. But I want everybody to go ahead and follow all the great writers that we have here at Sports Ethos. Not just writers, podcasters as well. Uh, we are really expanding out. It's really been a great time uh, just working with all these guys. It's been uh, a great growth process, not just for me, but for the company, for everybody involved. Uh, and I, it couldn't be done without you guys absorbing that content. So I want to thank everybody in the process, you know, from uh, Tyler and Andrew and Michael and everybody on down and Nathan, everybody, uh, Larry, who does our weather. Like, I'm going to shout them all out on Twitter uh, because they've all done such great work here uh, at Sports Ethos. It's been a great season. It's been a hell of a lot of fun. I did announce earlier today on Twitter, and I've talked about it uh, a little bit on the podcast as well. I'm going to be doing something kind of crazy. I'm going to project every single player going into next season myself by hand, uh, talking with Justin Mason and Paul Spohr, who did it themselves this past season. They said it was a worthwhile process, even though it was kind of a lot to do, uh, according to those guys. And obviously, you know, you're going to project every single player. There's a lot that goes into that. Uh, so, it is going to be a lot, but I think it's going to help me. I think it'll potentially help you guys. There are obviously projection systems that are going to be better and probably more accurate done by Derek Cardi and you know Ariel Cohen with his ATC projections. He was on the show earlier this year talking about them. There's a lot of people who do great projections out there. A lot of them are on fan graphs. This is more for me. I'm going to share them out to see if you get what you guys think, to see if I'm crazy, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to try and have mine done before the general projections come out uh you know the steamers of the world and the different projection systems that are out there i kind of want to not be biased and i mean if they come out i know i'm going to be too tempted to look at them i'm going to click on fangraphs pages and i'm going to see them so i'm going to try and have mine done i forget when the first run of steamer comes out maybe january or something like that i will i will try and have the first run done by probably december if we can things will change players will be traded and signed and there will be guys we think are going to make camp that don't and vice versa so those will have to be factored in um but it's going to be a fun process i am going to share it along with you guys as i do it probably going to go generally team by team uh but we'll we'll still have to see because the process is still uh very early on we're gonna have to see how it all plays out but today we are going to be talking about my picks for the awards in the 2024 baseball season not fantasy baseball wise i'm going to be talking about the real awards here there's not really so much to go over on the actual fantasy side at this point. We did our pickups for hitters of the week. We talked about our streamers. I posted it on Twitter. I put out a graph, and I talked about it on the show as well. And tomorrow I am going to be talking about Sunday's pitchers, tomorrow and, and Sunday, because there's still so much that's going to change if teams clinch. 
if teams don't clinch, blah, blah, blah. You, you really never know uh, who's actually going to be pitching on that last day of the season. So we're going to be talking about that more tomorrow and on Sunday. So for now, let's have a little fun. Let's talk about my picks for the respective awards. Let's start in the American League and the junior circuit. AL MVP, I, I think it's a, an absolute no-brainer foregone conclusion that Shohei Otani should be the American League MVP. For me, it's not it's not even particularly close. Whether you look at war or you look at whatever, I think you don't really need to even look at war. I think you can just use pretty basic common sense and look at what Shohei Otani has done this year. Yeah, you can make the argument that it's not on a good team. That has nothing to do with Shohei Otani and what he actually does. He had 44 home runs. He stole 20 bases, drove in 102, or excuse me, scored 102 and drove in 95 and he batted a career-high 304. That in and of itself would be probably, like, I don't know, definitely top 10 in terms of MVP voting. And then you have to factor in that he was 10-5 and five with a 3-1-4 ERA on the mound with an elite 31% strikeout rate. Yeah, it went down a little bit from last year. The walk rate went a bit up, but a 3-1-4 ERA to go along with everything else that he does. I know ERA is not perfect. Even if you look at the advanced numbers, and, you know, you don't really need to for these awards. These are more results-based awards. This is not based on what, what should have happened, what could have happened. But even if you do look under the hood a little bit, the XERA is 3.8. The XFIP is 3.58. Uh, his Sierra is 3.66. Like, he is an elite pitcher, and he's an elite batter. He's an elite base runner. He's absolutely just phenomenal. You know, the strikeout rate went down as a pitcher, and the walk rate went up. But if you look as a batter, he walked 15.2% of the time. That was up 5% from last year. It was a career high for him, a little smidge above what he had in 2021. The strikeout rates also come down as a batter. So he is really just infallible pretty much as a baseball player. Going forward, who knows what's going to happen if he's ever going to be exactly the same again on the mound. Some people have speculated he may not ever pitch again. I think he definitely will. I think he'll do absolutely everything in his power to get out there and be at least try uh, to be somewhat of what he used to be. Maybe he won't be 100% of what he used to be, but he will try. But regardless of that, what he did this year is just ridiculous. He is, I think, the most talented baseball player we've ever seen, and I think he should be the runaway favorite for the American League MVP. I think it, it probably is. Uh, behind him in my ballot, I got Corey Seager, Julio Rodriguez, Bobby Witt, and then Kyle Tucker. They're all pretty close. There's no real favorite behind Shohei Otani, I don't think. If you look at the teams that have done incredibly well in the standings in the American League, which you can have some correlation with the MVP, you know, because Otani is the clear favorite, but I think one of the tiebreakers you could look at for certain things is how well the team performed to some degree. The teams that did incredibly well, specifically Baltimore and Tampa, don't really have those classic MVP candidates, right? Baltimore is the division leader or the league leader in wins. They got 100. Uh, they clinched the division yesterday. As good as Adley Rutschman is, there's no argument for him to be the MVP. Uh, I, I, not that I can see anyway. I mean, great season. He's a great player. He's going to be a superstar. And he probably already is close to that title already. But you can't really make a solid MVP case. I've heard some people try and say Yandy Diaz should be in the mix for MVP in the American League. I just, I just can't get behind that. I know he's an exceptional player. He's had a really good season. But at the end of the day... I don't think Andy Diaz is the most valuable player in the American League this season. It's hard to, and you know, some of the advanced stats are excellent. He has a 923 OPS. He batted 328. You know, he's he's a great baseball player, 
but I don't think we can say he's the MVP in any season, really. But specifically in a year where Shohei Otani did what he did on both sides of the ball, he's the clear favorite for me. Going to the National League, it's another clear one for me at this point. Ronald Acuna Jr., it's it's really not particularly close. Uh, I know a lot of people have said that Mookie Betts is very close. It's he, He's not. I, he, I mean, I, people want to point to the defense. That's never really been a huge thing in MVP voting. It does come into play a little bit, but I think this is more, <clears throat> to some degree anyway, the Los Angeles kind of media trying to pump up Mookie uh, as best they can, the big media publications trying to pump up Mookie Betts. I, that's what I think to some degree because he's had a great offensive season, but he has clearly not been as good offensively as Ronald Acuna. He has 20 fewer runs. He has a couple fewer homers. He has one more RBI than Ronald. He has 56 fewer stolen bases, and his batting average is nearly 30 points lower. Yes, he is a better defender. He's played multiple positions this year. He's actually been better offensively when he has been out of position at second base and shortstop. If you look at those splits, you can look at fan graphs. If you go to the splits and you can see how he's performed by position, he's actually been better when he's been out of position, which is ridiculous. Like I'm not trying to diminish what Mookie has done. He's a clear number two in the MVP voting in the National League. But for those who want to put him ahead of what Ronald Acuna has done this season, I think it's just absurd. Acuna is rewriting the record book. It's another thing you know we saw... Cubs fans get really, really, really upset the other day uh, because they paused the game in the 10th inning. It was a tie game. It was either the 9th or the, I think it was the 10th. Either way, the game was on the line. They were at home. They were in Atlanta, and they paused the game when Ronald Acuna stole his 70th base and created the 40-70 club. Cubs fans were very upset. I wasn't because this is history. He's, he's rewriting the record books here. It's not like he's breaking records. He's, he's creating them. So... Yeah, we have to recognize that it's not just the fact that he's creating records. It's the thing. It's the whole thing. It, it is the best team in baseball. They are the best team in baseball. They probably still would be without Acuna. That's how good they are. They won the World Series without him a couple of years ago. That team is pretty close to what they were then. He is just ridiculous in and of himself. And I've heard the argument that the Dodgers wouldn't be as good without Mookie, where the Braves would still be as good uh, without Acuna, which... Sure, but I don't think that that diminishes what Acuna has done this season. That just means the Dodgers have a not as good of a team as the Braves. To, to me, that doesn't mean that Ronald has been less valuable than Mookie. That you know, that's just on the Dodgers for letting guys go in free agency and not really fill in those holes as much. Now, granted, they still had a good season, not nearly as good as the Braves, and I don't think that anybody has been even in the same universe as Ronald Acuna Jr. After Mookie, I would have Freddie Freeman, and then I would have Matt Olson, <clears throat> respective players from those teams as well. Freeman and Olson are very close. Freeman has the advantage in war by about, I think, like one whole win. So that's probably where you're going to see the distinguishing factor there. But I think those guys are pretty easy to flip-flop. And then I had Corbin Carroll at fifth. Corbin Carroll has just been absolutely ridiculous this year. 25 homers, 52 stolen bases. He's batting 287. He scored 116 runs. He's just been absolutely ridiculous. Let's go to the American League of the Cy Young. It's Garrett Cole. As much as I was hoping that the Jays would do something about that, they had a chance, right? The, the Blue Jays offense here could have gotten Kevin Gosman a Cy Young award if they had gotten a Garrett Cole. But Garrett Cole just absolutely put on a clinic his last two times out against the Blue Jays. Like, he absolutely ran circles around us. It was eight innings of one-run ball followed by a complete game shutout 
14 strikeouts combined in those games. Granted, the second game, they held him to only five strikeouts, but it was a complete game shutout, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, he is the clear Cy Young winner this year. He was going to win one at some point in his career. If he if he never won one, we'd look back and say that would have been a huge error. The fact that he's gotten to this point already and hasn't won one is a little absurd, to be honest with you. At this point in his career, he's 33 years old. He's put together some absolutely ridiculous seasons. You can make a strong case that he should have won over Justin Verlander the year they were 1-2 and two in the voting uh, when he was in Houston 2019. I think he was better. Um, you could make an argument that he could have won a couple different times. He's come in the past fourth, fifth, second, fourth, second, and ninth in the voting. Uh, so this is going to be his year, and I think he's very deserving of that. The runner-up I have is Kevin Gosman. As much as I think that he's not the winner, I think he's the clear second choice here. His advanced numbers, his metrics are ridiculous. He leads the American League in strikeouts, 237. 12 victories still. I know that victories are whatever, but the voters do look into it to some degree. It's not a huge number, but in this day and age, it's pretty solid. 316 ERA, 118 whip. Kevin Gosman is, I think he's going to be my highest ranked American League pitcher coming into next season, just based on the strikeouts, based on the underlying numbers, and the fact that I think Toronto is going to be better than New York. I think he'll be my number one starting pitcher for the American League side. Strider will be number one overall, but Gosman, I think, has a good chance of being number two. He currently is in the way my rankings are right now. Luis Castillo at number three, he's been absurd, right? Uh, another guy who has just been just so consistent. If you look at fantasy rankings, he's inside the top 20 on the season. He's looking at 215 strikeouts, a 320 ERA, a 106 whip. Very close with Gosman. I wouldn't have a problem if you wanted to flip-flop them. I mean, maybe part of it is the underlying Toronto bias. There's a decent chance it is. Either way, they've, they've both been remarkable. Uh, Castillo, not amazing start his last time out against Houston, which is going to pump up the ERA a little bit. It was, I think, 3-1 or something. Now it's 3-2. Uh, but either way, it's an incredible season for Castillo. I put Sonny Gray fourth. I think we have to put some respect on Sonny Gray's name this season. He's just been a complete shock to me. I, he was the last pick in my one of my home leagues where it was a 10-team league. He was I was the picking from the last spot, and I got him. I, I was thinking, okay, I think he faced Kansas City in the first week of the season. My thinking was, at the very least, I get a one-week streamer here out of Sonny Gray. It might not be an amazing start, but it's Kansas City. Uh, I, I believe it was Kansas City. It was one of those one of those relatively poor teams. And here we are at the end of the season. He's been on the roster the whole year. Pretty much a strikeout per inning guy. 184 innings, 183 Ks. Only the eight victories, which does kind of suck. And imagine where his fantasy value would have been if he just lucked himself into like a 16-win season. Uh, he would have been like a first-rounder, and that's all just complete happenstance. Uh, 279 ERA and a 115 whip. Absolutely remarkable. He should be rewarded. He has been the best pitcher on a division winner. You know, you want to talk about how good the division is, whatever. I think it's a terrible division, personally, and they should probably do something about it in Major League Baseball. But regardless of that, he's been... Uh, incredible to watch this season, and I think that he should be rewarded with uh, some Cy Young votes. Number five, I had Zach Eflin, another guy that if you just look under the numbers a little bit, just remarkable. I tweeted it out a, a while ago because I had him pretty high in my early 2024 rankings when I tweeted them out. Caused a bit of a stir with that. Uh, I think I had him seventh, maybe eighth. Um, I don't have them pulled up right now. I think he was seventh, though, uh, and a few people were thinking I was a little bit crazy there. He's had a 102 whip, a 3.5 ERA, 186 Ks, and 177 innings. He's won 16 games. If you look under the hood, he's been remarkable. He never walks anybody. All the underlying numbers are just 
they're just amazing. Like there, there's really like if you look and you look at the XERA and you look at the Sierra and the FIP and all of those uh, pitching indicators, pitching estimators. He's in the top five of all of them. He's in the top three of all of them, actually, uh, from what I can recall. I tweeted it out. If you look up Zach Eflin under my tweets, you can find it. I think he's in the top three of all of those to go along with strikeout minus walk rate. Like He has been just an incredible pitcher on another incredible team. He's been the ace. He's been the guy that they've had to turn to because they have lost everybody else. I mean, they got Glass now back, but he was gone for a good chunk of the season. They lost McClanahan. They lost Springs. They lost Rasmussen. Uh, they haven't had Shane Baz. I'm, there's somebody else, too. I think, like, if you pitched for the Rays this year, you probably had Tommy John surgery. You probably got hurt. Zach Eflin has been the exception there. 177 innings, 16 wins. He's been incredible. I think he deserves some Cy Young consideration, uh, and I think he should come fifth in the balloting. You could even put him fourth, and I wouldn't really argue over uh, Sonny Gray. Pablo Lopez should also get some consideration. He might jump up in there, uh, but I think those are the guys that I would put comfortably in my top five. The NL Cy Young, this is the big one. This is the hot topic. I, I, finally, I finally relented, and I, I switched it to Blake Snell. I, I don't feel great about it. There is a part of me that thinks it's kind of ridiculous that the guy who walked more batters than anybody else this year is the best pitcher in the National League, and you know he has the best ERA in baseball. And people will point to he's the best pitcher in baseball because he has the best ERA. To me, that's almost like saying the best batter in baseball, the best hitter in baseball, is the guy with the most RBI. Because well, you know it's it's the reverse side of the coin, right? He allowed the fewest amount of runs. Well. This guy drove in the most runs, so that's the name of the game, so that's the value, right? It's the same kind of simple, oversimplified argument for me that doesn't really make that much sense. But at the same time, even with the walks, Blake Snell has been just remarkable. I, I, I can't fault what he's done this season from a results standpoint. He has 234 strikeouts in 180 innings. He's won 14 games for a very disappointing team. He's a 2.25 ERA and a 1.19 WHIP. The WHIP is only that number because of the amount of walks. For any pitcher with that kind of 2.25 ERA, almost guaranteed, or very close to a guarantee, you'd see a, a sub one WHIP. The thing that I think is going to seal it for Blake Snell is his performance down the stretch. Over the last month, he's thrown 31 innings on the dot. He has a .58 ERA and a .87 WHIP. He struck out 41 batters in that time frame. He's been infallible. Like He has been truly infallible down the stretch pretty much for the whole season, and I think at this point it would be foolish to not give it to him. Spencer Strider, <clears throat> clear as day, it's far and away, it's not even close, is a better pitcher than Blake Snell. If anybody ranks Blake Snell ahead of Spencer Strider next year, respectfully, because I don't know if anybody's going to do it, you can disregard their rankings and their thoughts because that is just a, a, would be an absurd position to take. But that being said, Blake Snell has had the better season this year, and I think he should win the National League Cy Young, as much as it kills me. Because Spencer Strider is my guy. I drafted him in a couple different leagues this year, and I've watched him pitch a lot, and I am just a sucker for strikeouts. 274 strikeouts in 181 and two-thirds innings. Absolutely ridiculous. He is the leader in, I think, every major pitching estimator. It's not surprising. Yeah, he's had some... Bad luck, terrible luck in terms of giving up home runs. And I don't know if it's just maybe it's just him, right? Maybe he just gives up more home runs than the average guy. Or maybe he's just, you know, 
I, I don't I don't know. I, I really don't want to even think about those kind of arguments because I don't think they're true. Uh, people will say, well, look at him. He's just he's not that great of a pitcher, blah, blah, blah. He did have a 267 ERA as a rookie last year, for those that want to forget about that. I think whip is a lot better of an indicator of your actual talent than ERA is. If you just look at those, it was .99 last year, 107 this year. The strikeouts are obviously ridiculous. You know, the team is great. The team is also partially great because of how great Spencer Strider has been. The offense is <clears throat> incredible. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. But Spencer Strider has been just ridiculous. Like a 3.81 ERA, people are acting like it's terrible or something. It's it's much, much lower or much, much higher, I should say, than Blake Snell's. It's still an incredibly good ERA in the grand scheme of things. And it's been inflated a hell of a lot this last month because he has had a couple of stinkers. His last time out against Washington was not good. He does have a chance for 20 wins, and I'm not sure how far he's even going to go if he does pitch. He is scheduled to pitch tomorrow. I think he probably will. I haven't heard anything on the contrary. Maybe that 20th win with those strikeouts, who knows? Maybe some people will vote for him. Maybe. Who knows? I don't think he'll get it. I don't think there's any chance, really, because the narrative is there, but I don't really know what's inside the minds of the voters. Maybe he does sneak away if he is able to pull a 20th win out of his ass, so I don't think that it would be ridiculous to give with the Strider, but I think that Blake Snell is the guy that you probably should be going with at this point. After them, I got Logan Webb, I got Zach Allen, I got Justin Steele. Those guys are all pretty close in a in the same kind of tier for me this year. Webb has been really consistent. They've all been really consistent, but I think Logan Webb deserves to be ahead of the other two just because of the, you know, the extreme consistency we've seen from him. A 325 ERA, 107 whip. Strikeouts have been pretty damn solid, 194 of them. He's pitched 216 innings. He has been a workhorse. His last start was a complete game against San Diego. We've seen a lot of those deep starts. Just over the last month, we have eight and two-thirds against Texas. That was nearly the no-hitter, I believe, Uh he had seven innings against Arizona. He had eight innings against Colorado in Coors just a couple weeks ago. It's been an incredible season for Webb, and I think he should be rewarded for that with some votes. In terms of the rookies of the year, they're very, very, very much sewn up. It's Gunnar Henderson in the American League, and it's Corbin Carroll in the National League. I don't think there's really much of an argument that you could make at this point. There may be some New York media that tries to push for Kode Senga for Rookie of the Year. He has 200 strikeouts. He has a sub-3 ERA now, and he has been just incredible. Like, really, he has adjusted as well to the big leagues as I can remember for any pitcher coming over uh, in their first season. Like, I know Daisuke Matsuzaka was great. I don't know if it came like right away. There's Tanaka. There's a few other ones. He's been incredible. That being said, he's 30 years old, and I don't know that a 30-year-old is going to be very likely to get that many first-place votes over Corbin Carroll, who is younger than I am. I forget how old he is now. Uh, let me pull it up. I think he's 23. He just turned 23. I mean, I would be very surprised if uh, Corbin Carroll doesn't get it. Gunnar Henderson as well. Uh, he has pulled away from the field this season. Gunnar has been just dominant uh, over down the stretch. He is a top 60 fantasy player, top 30 over the last month. 28 homers, 10 steals, 257 average. He is one run shy of 100. My guess is that he probably gets into a game and gets to 100 runs before the end of the season. He's been a treat. He's been amazing. As for the runners up, I have Josh Young second for the American League. I think Josh Young <clears throat> kind of got forgotten about because he got hurt there for a while. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he's come back, and he hasn't been as good since he's come back. But you got to remember – 
even since he's come back and hasn't been quite himself since he returned, you're still looking at 74 runs, 70 ribbies, 23 homers, and a 270 batting average as a rookie. That's really damn impressive. I do have Tanner Bybee in my third spot for the American League. He had a 298 ERA over 142 innings, striking out a batter per inning with a 1.18 whip as a rookie. Cleveland is just a pitching factory. No real surprise that he came up and shoved, but he is the number three guy that I have there. Tristan Cassis can also make a very strong claim, and I wouldn't I wouldn't fault you for putting him there, but I would put him uh, just slightly behind these other two guys. I do have Senga as my runner-up to Carroll because he is still technically a rookie and he should still be in the conversation for sure. And then after that, I do have James Outman, who has been really, really good. If you just look at the season as a whole, I know there's been some ups and downs, but 23 homers, 15 steals, and a 252 batting average, really solid. He has been one of the reasons why the Dodgers have still been very good despite losing Trey Turner. You know, they're, and Cody Bellinger as well. I mean, Bellinger wasn't so great for them, but I think you guys know what I mean. Uh, not great recently anyway. I'll preface that. Outman has been one of the guys who's filled the gap there, and he has been one of the leaders in the National League in war. I think it was our friend uh, Eric Cross who tweeted it out earlier today. He's like 13th in war in the National League. As a rookie, that's pretty damn incredible. Uh, so Outman does come in third there for me in the NL. That'll do it for us, and that's the last in-season show of the year. It's been a long run. Uh, I want to thank all you guys for hanging out with us here on the podcast. If you are still listening, you guys are the diehards. I really appreciate every last one of you. If you liked what you heard this season and you haven't done so already, consider leaving us a review uh, down below if you are listening. It just takes a second or two. It really does help us out in the old algorithm. However it works, I still haven't figured it out. But I do know that likes, ratings, reviews, and all that do go a long way into helping other people find the show so go ahead and do that if you haven't done so already. If you got any questions regarding this last weekend, regarding 2024 prep, regarding anything fantasy baseball related at all, uh, reach out at JoeOrico99. Also at Ethos Fantasy BB. Continue to follow over there. We are going to be posting these podcasts throughout the rest of the offseason. Well, Jesus, I'm already talking like it is the offseason here, uh, entering into somewhat vacation mode. We're not there yet, Joe. Hang on for a minute here. Uh, we are not there yet, but go ahead and follow Ethos Fantasy BB if you haven't done so already. Uh, we can continue posting stuff. There will be a little bit of a downturn here in October uh, once the season ends, give the guys a little bit of a break. But then once November hits first pitch Arizona, uh, we're going to be drafting. We're going to be getting right back into the swing of things with content. So make sure you are along for the ride over there as well as at sportsethos.com. Guys, that'll do it. I wish you the best of luck if you're competing in this last weekend. If you're listening, I assume you probably are. It's a dogfight, man, in a lot of these leagues. You're just fighting sometimes to get into the money. You're fighting to just beat one of your friends. I know uh, my buddy Marty Tallman from Triple Play Fantasy, we are in the same one of the same leagues together. And one of my goals at the beginning of the year was just to beat Marty. And it's real close. It's a roto league, and it's like 95 points to 93, coming down to a couple of close categories over the last couple of days. So, Marty, if you're listening, I hope I beat your ass here, buddy. Uh, we are just down to the last couple of days here, so we're going to find out pretty soon. But that's kind of it, guys. Uh, thank you all for listening. We will be back here on Monday. But until then, take care. Have a great night. And cheers.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.